Hi, I'm Angelina Wu, and I'm a junior at Townsend Harris. I'm Ren Walston, and I'm also a junior at Townsend Harris. Unfortunately, Namira could not join us today. We saw her getting carried off by a by a huge Viking ship with, goats. with screaming goats, and we just <laughs> let that happen. So we have a so oops. Uh oh. Um, okay. but we have a little stuff stuffed little guy. Welcome to the first in-person Operation Tomato Meter season two a high school podcast that is centered around movie reviews. If you haven't been putting on a blonde wig and wielding Mjorno, Mjolnir, Mjolnir, you would note that one of the most recent additions to the MCU's Phase 4 film is Thor Love and Thunder. But first, a quick summary of the movie Thor Love and Thunder. We open on Gore the God Butcher, who his, ma his main goal is to target all the gods and eliminate them. Um, Thor, who's now taking it easy as part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, catches wind of this and gathers up all of his allies, including familiar faces like Korg, Valkyrie, and his ex, Dr. Jane Foster. Jane, he discovers, is now able to wield his hammer, Mjolnir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Together, Thor and all his companions must defeat Gore, save all the gods, and uncover his secrets. Thor Love and Thunder was directed by Taika Waititi, who also worked on the last Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok was well received by critics and audiences alike for its refreshing lightheartedness and humor, but does Thor Love and Thunder live up to its predecessor? We'll see. Thank you. Now with that, let's head into the reviews. Okay, personally, I just want to preface everything I say, but I am not a, in no way am I a Marvel Fan. And I am a Marvel fan, so we have very, very, very different I guess I'm a little biased. But I, I, I think you have more like, what's the word? You have more substance to go off of because you can compare it to Maybe. the last one. We were discussing. So I think, personally, I thought it was like, you can't, it's a, it's a Marvel movie. And in that sense, I, that's what it, when it <laughs> it's a Marvel movie. In which I mean that, like, there's a lot of money put into it. And usually, if you put enough money into a film, it's watchable. You know what I mean? Like, there is definitely a plot. There's definitely a plot. Yeah, that's very true. I agree with everything you said. It does have a really high budget. But this movie is especially interesting because they tried to incorporate the comical as aspect of Thor, which has was done in Thor Ragnarok and was successful in Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. The first two Thor movies were very serious and were not taken as well by critics. I wonder how like his character has, you know, slowly been built up because if he was like serious as you said in the first two, because in what's the one with Star Lord? <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. His character is only like you know comedic. It's like this. Oh, Thor's. <laughs> he's this not wacky. In Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, he. No, he's not. He's in Infinity War, not? Yes. Okay. Well, I watched Infinity War too, <laughs> so it's okay. Um, and in Infinity War, he's kind of this, like, comedic guy, you know? I don't really- I, I never really got a grasp of his, like, actual substance, like, substantiated personality. I only really saw this, like, you know, funny- But that's what this movie's that. trying to do. It's trying to show his pain, and, like, from Endgame, he lost his brother mm -hmm. Loki. It shows, like, oh, his tattoos on his back. He's taking it really hard. He got the- the beer belly, he's working it off on the beginning Honestly, in the beginning of the I movie. don't I didn't really like like that like 
I didn't really like the the narrator in the beginning. Sorry. Korg? No, no, no. After Korg. Oh. There was this, like, and basically Thor worked all of it off. And yeah, that's Korg. Uh, oh, that is Korg. Oh, <laughs> Korg narrates the entire movie. Yes. But um, I kind of didn't, I don't know. It was very, like, tell, not show. It was just, like, telling me what happened rather than showing it, which kind of makes me feel less. I mean, it's good because they, you know, it gives you a recap quickly, but at the same time, it's like. I don't know. It doesn't make me feel as attached to the character. He's funny, but it's it, I don't know. I, it's a very comedic movie, as you said. It's it's shifted into a very like you know lighthearted tone. Like they they saw that it worked well for Ragnarok, so I think they wanted to continue that like comedic tone, right? Um, but the thing is, Natalie Portman. I love Natalie Portman, but she's not a comedic actor. She's all a of her lines pretty serious. are kind of cringy and don't work as a comedy movie. I get that. Also, I couldn't, like, I feel like, although it was a comedic movie, we were still supposed to take it seriously, right? At some points, like, with the children, like, oh, we were supposed to care? But when Thor gets, like, teleported in there, he's like, man, guys, I don't know, it was just some funny, like, one-liner, don't die before we come and save you, or something like that. What was it? It was like, I don't, I don't remember. remember. The, the pacing was a little off. Oh, there was barely any time for the ending battle when he finally does save the kids. Which it was is... more focused on like uh, him finding Jane again and their mm -hmm. love life and just like reminiscing. Yeah, and also I'm just particularly distasteful towards like sequels. I'm a pretty, I'm pretty much a sequel hater. I don't think I've ever really liked sequels of movies because I always think of it. This is just me because I'm pessimistic. But I've always kind of thought of it as like corporations, like oh, look at those like stinky little consumers. They, you yeah. know, they like this. So we're gonna feed them two more, you know. And it's like I don't, you can't shove food down my yeah. Throat. And this is Thor's fourth movie. Like we thought after Ragnarok, Ragnarok <laughs> was so good that I came into Thor: Love and Thunder thinking, oh, this is gonna be better than Ragnarok. But it kind of let me down. Expectations high, it's harder to achieve. Mm-hmm. 100%. All right. I kind of want to get into the villain, though. Oh, uh, gore. Gore. I... That... I was... Honestly, I thought it was going to be a good movie. Not that it... No. No. I'm right. I'm not going to take it back, actually. I did it's not fine. like the movie that much. Okay. But... Um, I thought that, like, the first scene was so interesting. I really like that, like, you know, preface. Like, that backstory, that was good. I thought that was really nice. Like, the acting, Christian Bale is just so, so good at, like, being creepy villain. Who tries to, like, hypnotize you with his smooth, honeyed voice into believing his, like, kind of madness. Because honestly, during that first scene, totally ruined for him. I was like, damn. But, like, you can obviously see his motives. Like, yeah. I understand him. I feel like the MCU really does a good job mm -hmm. on humanizing their villains. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if you lost someone you loved, you would want revenge, too. You want to talk about cinematography? Yeah, let's talk about cinematography of this movie, because I did think it was impressive for a Marvel movie. I had nothing to compare it to, because I thought Infinity War and Endgame were great. <laughs> but I, I really like the black and white scenes, I think you want. Yeah, the black about. and white scenes. The the battle, I don't remember what planet they were on. It was like a moon. And everything was black and white until they wielded one of their weapons, like the lightning bolt, Zeus's lightning bolt. And then like there was a glow around it. And I thought that was so cool. 
Like, that must have taken so much editing. Yeah, and also, I just really like the black, like, that concept, the concept of, like, going somewhere and everything turning black, like, that was pretty cool. I'll that give it, I'll give they it to did, them. They did that I'll well. give it to them. But something that they did poorly <laughs> was Zeus. Cinematography, again, yeah. great. Love, like, that council of the gods, you know? Like, yeah, just with, like, the, the everyone, like, sitting around. That was such a cool room. atmosphere to, like, that even imagine. Cool. But... Zeus, <laughs> like the actual Greek gods, like they're it's not a, they're not a like reoccurring villain. We see at the end, villain. He's right. like a he's like antagonist, a, but not, not a the villain. villain. Right. Um. But he's like that's a little far. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I mean it makes sense. God killer, God, Greek gods. The fact that he did gods. not care. Like I I don't. I don't know. It didn't seem very real. Obviously, I mean, none know. of it's realistic. <laughs> but this really didn't seem like that would actually happen. Well, like yeah, that he I, would just ignore. He was kind of like Zeus was kind of like an inflated antagonist. Where I mean, like where like you know, what's the villain's name? Korg. Gore. Gore. Sorry, there's like Krog and Gore, and I don't know. But um, Gore, right? I think Gore. We have like we see motive, but Zeus is just like. And uh, how I mean, Zeus I can't is curse. just an obstacle. Um, Zeus is just like annoying for no reason. Like he's just like he just wants to be annoying. You know, yeah. he's just like har 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 har. I'm gonna ruin everyone's day because I'm Zeus, which you know kind of sucks because I really like it when they have like actual motives. Last season, the OT hosts had a segment where they would guess the official score sent out by Tomato Heads back at Rotten Tomatoes, but this season, we'll be putting a spin on the segment and instead coming up with an Operation Tomato Meter critic score as a collective. So we're gonna have to agree. The two of us. Plus Tamira. Plus Tamira. But I'm pretty sure she'll agree with me because I have the right opinion. Always. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna give this episode, this movie, a 75. It's passing, okay. passing, passing. It's watchable. It's fun, you know? I agree with you on the 70s, but I had to look it up the opera or the whoa. I had to look it up the tomato meter score for the first Thor movie from 2011 got a 77 and I think this one is better than that one. So, I'm going to have to give it a 78. Can we just like add it up and divide it by 2? I'm going to argue with you. I I think that my opinion matters too. No. Um, I think, I don't know, I don't even watch the first Thor movie, so I, your opinion is more valid than mine, but... But you're coming like, in with a clean slate. I'm very coming in with this clean slate, clean palette, you know? I'm also Fine. not the biggest fan of superhero movies in general. Like, I don't know what a good superhero- I guess we could bring it back to Tom Holland! A very nice good friend. But I, I really- I like Spider-Man Homecoming. Like, I remember watching that when I was, like, a bit younger, and I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. And I don't know, I just didn't get that same, like, magic in here. It, it was- they, I know they were trying to go, like, recreate, you know, the magic. Well, it's easy to, like, connect to Spider-Man Homecoming, because he's a kid from Queens, mm -hmm. but Thor is a god that All right. I mean, I'm not saying space. You're right, but- I guess I'll settle for a 77.3.3. Okay. Sure. Good to Sure. Good to If you've been a longtime viewer of Tomato Meter, you would know all about our very persistent journey to bring Tom Holland to Townsend Harris and our very 
close relationship <laughs> with the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Um, and okay, it was just because you're the, you know, the Marvel film buff. Do you think this film connects to or relates to any other Marvel film? I mean, all everything in the MCU connects, but I feel like this one doesn't connect to Phase 4 as much. Thor isn't a main character in Phase 4, I believe, so he's probably going to show up in the next mm -hmm. Avengers movie, but I don't think he's going to last much longer in mm -hmm. the MCU. I see. I kind of, I want to add my own opinion just really quick. I felt a disconnect from Marvel after Endgame, like where all the Marvel movies, especially in Phase 4, they feel like, it feels like Mar like Endgame never happened. Well, which makes sense, because, you know, Black Widow, you know, and mm. there's a movie about her now, which I get, but I don't know, everything else, like, only Sp the, I'm praising Spider-Man a lot, but, like, Spider-Man is the only one that seems like it continued, like, after, you know what I mean? Like, Thor seemed so, like, I don't know, it's just, like, a different guy, man. Not the same Thor we saw in Endgame. Yeah, I agree. It hasn't been very consistent. How would you rate the movie based on just based, based on? I gave my score based on the original Thor, so I feel like I've already done this. But if I one to six had then. to rate it from one to six based on, or com when compared to other Marvel films, I would probably give it a two. Two. There's been better ones. Okay. Like which ones? Like which one did you really like? Black Widow. I like so uh, Infinity War. That's phase four. No. Oh, Phase this four. only Phase Sorry. four. I liked Shang-Chi a lot and Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, right. I heard about this. Those two had really good reviews. Yes. And they looked magical. Are you oh, excited yes. to see where Marvel takes the mighty Thor, aka I... Jane Foster, Natalie Portman? Natalie Portman as a Marvel character. Huh. I, I thought her character was interesting because, you know, all of this, like these, like two contrasting states, mm -hmm. which is very apparent by you know her two contrasting appearances. Almost like they highlighted it with the neon yellow highlighter, just in case you didn't know. I think it, it was she was very interesting, and honestly, I wouldn't mind. I guess having a new like a movie about her. Well, she she did die. She did die, but like you know, like in the years where her and Thor weren't together, they might like do a little like timeline thing. Sure. I also think mm -hmm. she's a great way to lead in with more female characters mm -hmm. in the MCU, which in phase four we are getting a lot more. But oh, Mighty Thor is just so powerful. People think Thor is the most powerful Avenger and Mighty Thor like females are gonna come and <laughs> dominate the MCU eventually. I hope so. What are your thoughts about, speaking of that though, what are your thoughts about She-Hulk? I have been watching She-Hulk. It's... the CGI is rough. Yeah, that, I, that could be a feature. I think it's cringy. I really, I watched some clips, I haven't watched the whole thing so I can't say for sure, but I have watched some clips and I, you know, you know the one I'm referencing, the one with Megan Thee Stallion and She-Hulk? Um. I thought it was cringy and I thought it was bad, but it's unfortunate because misogynists are really using it as a way to like, you know, just like clamp down on like, you know, female directors and like, oh, you know, like, which really sucks. I really wish it was good. I really, really honestly wish it was good so that they wouldn't, they can't just say like, you know, because 
They'll take advantage of anything, and I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of We need more female directors we in do. superhero movies in general. Mm-hmm, 100%. Okay. I think that about wraps up today's episode. Stay tuned for more tomato-tastic content from Operation Tomato Meter on Apple Podcasts, and check out The Classic and Classic Critic on Instagram and TikTok page at Classic to see our bloopers behind the scenes and other cool projects we're working on. That's about it. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Bye. Thank you.